0: Welcome to Awaken to Grace I'm Chad Roberts and today I'm gonna walk you through the story of blind Bartimaeus and let me tell you what a special and meaningful sermon this is to me because as many of our listeners know I am completely blind myself and when I listen to the story of blind Bartimaeus oh my friends let me tell you oh how I can relate with him and I think when we pull the principles, when we extract from God's word today, the timeless truth and the life changing principles, well, I believe you're going to relate with blind Bartimaeus just as much. I'm so thankful that you're listening today. Have you downloaded my free mobile app? When you download Awakened to Grace, literally hundreds of free resources Powerful, life-changing sermons, just like the one you're going to hear today, is right at your fingertips. Why don't you download it right now on whatever device you have. Download Awakened to Grace and follow us all the way through the book of Mark as we go chapter through chapter in this great series called Walking with Jesus. Well, today we're in Mark chapter 10. We come to the amazing story, the unbelievable story of the healing of these blind eyes in blind Bartimaeus. I'm so excited to speak today because I feel very close to the man I'm going to introduce you to out of Scripture today. I feel so close to him. I feel like he's been part of my life for many years now. And his name is Blind Bartimaeus. I'm so excited to speak on Blind Bartimaeus because I fell in love with his story many years ago. As a matter of fact, there is a portrait that hangs in our auditorium. It hangs over here to your left, to my right. And you know, I owned a Christian bookstore back many years ago before Sadie and I were married. And I carried portraits in that bookstore. And one of the paintings that I carried that I wanted to put inside the church, having no idea that one day I would go blind, was this portrait. And it's been in our auditorium since 2007, and I went blind in 2017-2018. Not knowing that 10 years later I would face this. Let me ask you a question. Do you think it's any coincidence that the Holy Spirit led us to put a portrait of blind Bartimaeus being touched by Jesus way back when? Friends, I just don't think there are any coincidences with the Lord. Then in my first book I wrote, Calling on the Name of the Lord. Some of you are new and you may not know we have this book. I wrote this book in 2016. And it's a book on prayer. How to call on the name of the Lord. And one of the chapters in here that's very meaningful to me. Is a chapter on blind Bartimaeus. I wrote this chapter in 2016. Having no clue. Not even an inkling. That I would soon be blind myself. No pun intended, but what a different perspective I've got now. But you know what I love about the truth of God's word? The things that I wrote in this chapter, many of the things I'm going to share with you today out of the text. Let me tell you, no matter what changes in our life, circumstances may change, but the truth of God's word never changes. And what was true with eyesight is true without eyesight. Amen. So today I want you to go with me, Mark chapter 10. You know, Mark 10 is very interesting, and I wish I had two or three weeks just to walk through the whole chapter with you. I wish we had the time to pick it apart. And, of course, uh, there, God willing, are many more years to preach through the book of Mark. But for our purposes of this current series and for our purpose in the season that the Lord has us in... We are going to only examine verses 46 to 52. However, the entire chapter is quite intriguing. There are two things I want to extract from the chapter that I'll share the second one in just a bit when when it's relevant to the text. But I first want you to know where we are in the book of Mark. Remember, last week we were at the Mount of Transfiguration... And then this week, we are what the Bible calls east of Jordan. Now, why are the geographical locations important for us to understand in the Gospels? It's because it gives us the context of what's being said. So, for example, right off the bat in chapter 10, the Pharisees are going to question Jesus concerning divorce. Why do they question him here? I want you to note this when the Bible says that he was in the region that is east of Jordan that is in the territory that really today is the state of Jordan it was east of Jordan of the Jordan River and this territory was ruled by king Herod Antipas now why is that significant because what are the Pharisees constantly plotting to do they want to kill the messiah And do you remember his relative, John the Baptist? Do you remember what King Herod Antipas did to John the Baptist? He beheaded him. And why did King Herod behead him? Because John the Baptist preached against the divorce of King Herod. So what are the Pharisees doing when they question Jesus concerning divorce in the region? That is ruled by King Herod Antipas. What they're doing is they're trying to get the same fate. Toward Jesus that they got toward John. The Baptist. As you work your way down the chapter. You're going to see Jesus give five different paradox. Five various paradox. Things like two shall become one. At had the joy of doing a wedding last night. Two shall become one. Paradox like, to enter heaven you must become as a child. Paradox like, the last shall be first. And so if you pay attention to the chapter, you'll see many things the Lord teaches. But when we come to verse 46, and this is what we're going to focus on today. Verse 46 Mark is going to tell us that Jesus is going to pass through Jericho and on his way leaving Jericho toward Jerusalem. So a few things I want you to note that's just going to help you understand the text far better. Number one, I want you to note this. This begins what we call Passion Week in the life of Jesus. This is going to be the week leading to his crucifixion. Jesus is on the road to Jericho. Headed to Jerusalem to go to Passover. And this is where he's going to be killed. Previously, he told his disciples that he was going to be killed. This time in chapter 10, he says where he's going to be killed. He keeps giving them more detail, but they still don't quite understand. So they're on the road to Jericho. Now, there's a discrepancy, though it seems, in the word of God. But I want to show you that it's no discrepancy at all. In one of the Gospels, it says that Jesus left Jer- or, or, or entered Jericho. Mark's Gospel says he left Jericho. And then that Gospel says that there were two men. Mark only mentions Bartimaeus. So, people who are critics of the Bible, people who laugh at people like myself who say the Bible is infallible, that it's without error that it is inerrant, they'll point to this and they'll say, no, 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 there is a fallacy. How does he leave Jericho yet enter Jericho? Why is there only one here but two others? And they say, there's your fallacy. No, no, my friend. Foolish people like that don't study the word of God. You must study it. And let me tell you, don't, don't forget this. As you, as you walk through the Gospels, remember what we taught in the beginning of this series. What, what are the Gospels called, uh, particularly Matthew, Mark, and Luke? What are they called? The Synoptic Gospels. Why is that significant? Because synoptic means the same perspective. Syn, S-Y-N, as in where we get our word synonym, meaning the same. It's the same content. It's the same story, but optic, which means optical, perspective. What that means is that while the Gospels will cover the same content, in many cases, they are seen from a different perspective. So one Gospel may focus on two men that are healed, whereas John Mark records for us... Bartimaeus alone. It's the same content. It's through different perspectives. Now, what is the discrepancy? One entering Jericho, one leaving Jericho. Well, here's the fact. There are two Jerichos in this day. Did you know that? There are two Jerichos one mile apart. There is the old historical Jericho where the walls fell and Joshua had his mighty conquest. In Joshua 6. And then see King Herod built a lavish palace one mile down the road that was also called Jericho. What is it? It's one set of content with different perspectives. Okay. Verse 46 is going to tell us that as he left Jericho, that he was followed not only by the disciples, but I want you to note this in your text. He was followed by a great crowd. Now, there are two reasons why there is a great crowd here. Number one, because everywhere Jesus went, there was a great crowd. But there is also some meaning here. There is some significance that I don't want you to miss. When it came to Passover time, and everyone began to make their pilgrimage toward Jerusalem, rabbis who were high-level teachers in this day... Rabbis would come from all over the nation. And the road from Jericho to Jerusalem was such a widely traveled road that, think about this if you were someone that you lived in a small village, say five miles from Jericho, what all of the surrounding areas would do, they would flock to the road to Jericho because famous rabbis would be on that road. And when crowds would gather, rabbis would stop. And they would teach the crowds. It was an opportunity for you to hear some pretty extraordinary teaching. And when word got out that Jesus was on his way, crowds flocked. So get the image in your mind. Everyone is along the roads. There's a huge crowd following. And in this road, verse 46 introduces us to a blind beggar named Bartimaeus. You know, I was telling Sadie this week, we were in Nashville this week, and on our way home, I was telling her, I just can't wait to one day ask in heaven, why do we know the names of some people in the Gospels, but so many others we don't? We know Jairus and his daughter, we know Bartimaeus. But why do we not know the name of the man with the withered hand? Why do we not know the man with leprosy? Why do we not know the name of the woman with the blood disease? Or why do we not know the name of the woman who was the Syrophoenician woman? But we know this man's name. And I want to make a proposal to you at the end today. I want to tell you why I think that Mark included the name Bartimaeus. I think There is a surprising reason why. And we'll deal with that in verse 52. So we get introduced. There's a blind man. He's on the side of the road. Not only is he there, I think, because he wanted to hear some teaching. But in reality, he's there to get alms. He's there with, ready to ask for charity, ready to ask for help. You're talking about feeling like a blind beggar myself. That's how I feel every Sunday when I take my my massive empty coffee cup to the coffee bar. I feel like a blind beggar. (laughs) Which one's Jamaican? (laughs) Which one's breakfast blend? (laughs) So here we are. I want you to go with me in your mind's eye. Here we are. We're on the dusty road from Jericho to Jerusalem. And there's a big crowd. But you know what I love? Jesus knew who Bartimaeus was. And I want you to know that in whatever crowd today, Jesus knows exactly who you are. And he knows your needs. He knows what you're facing in life. He knows what you're afraid of right now. He knows what you're questioning. He knows what you're worried about. He knows what you're anxious over. Let me tell you, no matter how big the crowd is, Jesus knows exactly who you are. It's interesting, the next verse, verse 47, it says that when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was there. I love that. When he heard about Jesus of Nazareth, let me tell you my heart for this church. I am so thankful for our property. I'm so thankful for our auditorium I'm, uh, look, look, I hope you guys are enjoying the new, the new you know, our men work so hard installing. Uh, this incredible media this weekend and and everyone just says it looks amazing and and I hope that you appreciate the advancements I hope you appreciate the outreaches I hope you appreciate the work that goes into furthering the kingdom of God that this church does but let me tell you at the end of the day do you know what my greatest desire is My greatest desire is not to fill every chair. My greatest desire is not to fill up a bank account. My greatest desire is not to have the most slick technology. My greatest desire is that people who are hurting in this city would hear that Jesus is here. Amen. That's the desire. And when people who are hurting, when people that are broken will find out, when they hear that Jesus is in this building, oh, my friend, we won't have room enough to contain it. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We had a marriage that was on the marriage conference with us. And she was telling me that... at a time when they were separated and in, a, in the throes of divorce, she would drive by this church and we had a massive sign on our church, a big banner, and it said, Save Your Marriage. And she said, I would drive by and I would feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And now they're here and now they serve and now they're on the marriage conference. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, it's our aim. Ah. I mean, the Bartimaeuses of our city here that Jesus is near. Oh, there's nothing greater. And he heard that Jesus of Nazareth. Oh, you ought to just circle that phrase. Because let me tell you, there's power in that name. Amen. And what did he do? Oh, yeah, There's going to be a lot of circling in your Bible today. You ought to circle this. Do you know what he did? He cried out. Amen. Hallelujah. You know why I love that he cried out? Because let me tell you what Jesus is attracted to. He's attracted to people who are desperate for help. He's attracted to weakness. Did you know that? He's repelled by pride. But he's attracted to weakness. When you offer the Lord your weakness, you're offering God something that He doesn't have. Weakness. And that's when He takes your weakness and He gives you His strength. Amen. Don't you be ashamed of your weakness today. Don't you be ashamed to walk in here and let tears flow. Don't you be ashamed to walk in here and lay your burdens on the altar. Don't you be ashamed to tell the Lord all that's going on in your life. Amen. He is attracted to people who are desperate. And he repels those who act like they got it all together. This man cried out. Oh, have you ever cried out to the Lord? Are you talking to everybody but him? Are you asking advice from everyone but him? Cry out to the Lord. And listen what he cried. Jesus, look what he says. Son of David. Oh, my friends, you know what he just said? (laughs) You remember the last time In Mark we heard that term son of David. It wasn't from the Pharisees. And it wasn't from the scribes or the Sadducees or the chief priests or even from the professional Christians, the disciples. You know who the last person we heard call him son of David? It was that wonderful Syrophoenician woman. <laughs> it was that Gentile that had no hope in this world. Amen. But yet she said, Jesus, son of David. What is that? Friends, that's a messianic title for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what this blind man's saying? This blind man is saying, I know you are who you say you are. Amen. And let me tell you who God's looking for today. He's not looking for professional Christians. You may be listening today and you may feel like the least among everybody. But let me tell you, when you believe that God is who he says he is, let me tell you what it does. It activates your faith. Amen. And this man had more faith on the side of this road than anyone. And his faith was activated. Hallelujah. I want a faith that's active. I want a faith that believes God. I want a faith that believes that God is exactly who God says he is. And God will do what God says he will do. That's the kind of faith I want. And that's the faith this man had. My, 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 Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And I want you to look at what this crowd did. Oh. Now, I told you back in chapter 2. You remember back in chapter 2 with the paralytic man who the crowd was so big they wouldn't let him get to Jesus? Jesus. They had to climb up the staircase, onto the roof, take the roof apart and lower him just to get him Jesus because that crowd was nothing but a hindrance and nothing but a roadblock. Let me tell you, Jesus was never impressed with crowds. Never once. And the church ought not be either. Amen? Let me tell you what I love about blindness more than anything. I never know how many people I'm preaching to you know why? Because it don't matter. I'll preach the same no matter how full it is or how empty it is. Don't care. Crowds shouldn't matter. People matter. The individual matters. The blind, the Bartimaeuses matter. Amen. And so this crowd, I want you to look what they say to him. They rebuke him. They silence him. Let me tell you, you cannot live based on other people's opinions. If you're somebody that you seek the approval of others, you're going to be mighty disappointed. You cannot seek other people's approval. You cannot care what other people think. Amen? You can't do it. Oh, you can't do it. you got to do what God says. Amen? Let me just share with you my heart right now. You know, on May 1st, we're hosting this mighty day, this healing Sunday. Let me tell you. If I listened to what other people said, we wouldn't be doing a healing Sunday. Because you know how awkward that can be. Do you know how awkward it is? You know, you know how discouraging Satan will he'll he'll tell me you're the craziest thing I've ever seen. You're going to do a healing Sunday when you're blind as a bat. You're gonna gonna take God at his word when you can't see a thing. Satan will lie. Oh, he's a. He'll say, What are you gonna do? Lay hands on people and poke them in the eye because you can't see them? You're foolish. You're silly. Let me tell you if you listen to the crowd, if you listen to others' opinion, if you listen to Satan, let me tell you if you listen to yourself, Half the time. You know what you'll hear? Sit down. Shut up. Be quiet. Don't trust God. But no, let me show you what blind Bartimaeus did. You look at it right there in your Bible. When they rebuked him, when they told him to be quiet, you know what he did? The Bible says he cried out all the more. Amen. God's looking for people of faith. People that will press in. People with tenacious faith. People that will not give up and will never quit. Amen. Cry out all the more. And you may feel like God isn't listening. You may feel like other people think you're crazy. You may think like you're making a fool of yourself. But I'm telling you, based on the authority of the word of God, cry out all the more. Amen. Because Jesus is attracted to weakness. Jesus is attracted to the least, amen. Don't listen to the opinion of others. People will always stop you from pursuing Jesus. You better not, I'm telling you, you better not listen to them. You're somebody that you just, you can't function without the approval of others. No, let me tell you, you are already accepted in the beloved, the Bible says. You don't need anyone else's approval. Colossians chapter 1. God himself has already qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. What more do you need? You need people to like your social media. What? No. You need people to speak well of you? (laughs) Forget it. You need people to like you? Forget it. You seek God's approval and his alone. Now, let me show you why you can't listen to the crowd. Oh, what verse am I in? I'm so excited. I don't even know where I'm at. Where am I? Verse 49? Yeah, okay. Look what happens. Jesus stops. Oh, let me tell you, when you get the attention of Jesus, everything changes. Everything changes. When he walks into the room, nothing's the same. And Jesus stops. Listen. Listen. (laughs) Say amen if you're with me right now. He's on the road to Calvary. He's began his journey to Jerusalem. But do you know what the faith of a poor, blind beggar does? It halts his itinerary. Let me tell you. God must be mighty, mighty busy with the events of the world right now, right? But he'll stop for you. Your faith will get his attention. Boy, it's a good day today, isn't it, Amen. amen? I feel like I'm at a mighty buffet. I'm just savoring the word of God right now. Now, here's why you can't listen to the crowd. Jesus stops and he calls for him, and I want you to look at what this crazy crowd does. This fickle, crazy crowd—they go the same people that were re- now. Now, why were they rebuking him? Because what did I say in the beginning? They were there to hear something. They wanted to hear Jesus. They couldn't hear him teach because this crazy blind man is yelling out, "Son of David!" You know what they were? They were selfish. That's what they were. They were selfish. Say amen if you're with me, church. Amen. How many spiritually bond people have you walked right past getting to church today? How many people this week did you walk right past? You want to hear the word of God, but yet somebody needs to be touched by God. They were a selfish, selfish people. And Jesus stops and he says, No, no, bring him. And this same crowd that rebuked him, the same crowd who tried to silence him, the same selfish crowd, then they look at him and go, oh, Take heart. Hey, he wants you. Come on. Crazy people. And look at verse 50. What does he do? He takes off his cloak and he springs up and comes to Jesus. Let me tell you, let me just give you some personal insight. Do you know how much I appreciate that verse as a blind man? Because let me tell you what blind men don't do. They don't spring up anywhere. Let me tell you what blind people don't do. We don't walk fast. After, shortly after I first went blind, I uh, would go out to the mailbox here at the church, and I know the neighbors thought I was nuts because I'd go out there and check the mail and come back in. Can't see any of it, but I'd do it. And one day, I'm going out to the mailbox, and Sadie parked out by McColl's office out here, and she was in the van waiting on me, and I knew where she was parked. And I checked the mail, and I'm walking. I'm walking carefully following the wall, and I thought, now, this is silly. I know where I'm at. I know what I'm doing. There's no sense in holding on to this wall, and I got cocky. And I said, I'm going to walk like I normally walked. What I didn't know is she had backed the van up about four feet. Pow! Right into the van. Blind men don't walk arrogantly. It's treacherous. But what did this man do? He sprang up. Woo! Faith without works is dead. Come on, you got to activate your faith, amen. You got to do things you've never done. You got to trust God today. You got to begin to do things you've never done. Listen, some of you have never fasted, and I'm telling you, you need to activate your faith and you need to enter into the fast. You got to do things you've never done. He sprang up and he came to Jesus. Let me give you a word today. Some of you have no idea what God's doing in your life. God's transforming you top to bottom, inside out and you don't quite know everything going on. Uh, I'm not going to spoil it for the end because i got a big ending. i got a, I got a big, big, big ending and I don't want to spoil it. But let me just say a word right here. The Bible says he threw off his cloak. He threw off that old lifestyle. He sprang to his feet and he came to Jesus. But you know what the end of the story is? He's not just going to come to Jesus. He's going to follow Jesus. Some of you right now, you're in the beginning steps. You're not quite following Jesus but you know what you are? You're You're coming to Jesus, amen? And let me tell you your next step. You become a follower, a disciple of Jesus, amen? There's a reason God's changing your life. There's a reason your desires are changing. There's a reason your nature's changing. It's because you're becoming a new creation. And the old things of your life, that old cloak is passing away. And everything is becoming brand new. So we came to Jesus and look at, where am I? Golly, I think I'm 51, I think. Look what he says. Now Jesus said, now do I have a few minutes to teach right here? The Lord blew my mind this week. Blew my mind, convicted me so deeply over this. Verse 51, Jesus asking the most odd question. He asked this blind man, what do you want me to do for you? When I wrote this book, I addressed that. I said, why would Jesus ask a blind man what he wants? But when I wrote this, let me tell you what I didn't know, what I didn't see. I didn't see it till this week. Jesus asked the same question earlier in the chapter. Look at it with me, verses 36 and 37. Let me tell you what a hunch I have. This is just a hunch. This isn't Bible, just a feeling i got do you remember last week we were in chapter 9 with the mount of transfiguration it took them 6 days to get up we believe it was mount hermon it took them 6 days to get up there glory of god comes elijah moses they have a long extended conversation they talk about eschatology and end things end time things coming down the mountain do you remember what jesus tells peter james and john who was with him His inner three, Peter, James, and John. James and John were brothers. We believe that they were much, much younger than Peter and Jesus. We believe they were the youngest of the disciples. One of the reasons we believe that they were so young is because in another gospel, you remember their mother comes to Jesus and asks if they could be great in the kingdom. Uh, Probably 30, 40-year-old men, their mother would not do that. They were probably 17, 18 years old. John far outlived all the other apostles. Of course, James was killed by the sword by King Herod, Acts 12. But do you remember coming down the mountain? Jesus tells Peter, James, and John, Do not tell anyone about this until I'm gone. Then here in chapter 10, James and John come to Jesus with a favor, as well as their mother. And guess what their favor is? We want to be great in your kingdom. The Bible says that when the other disciples heard that, I want you to look at what it says. They were indignant. They were so mad. They had a church fight right here. You know what the principle is? When you take a bunch of fishermen, Pastor Phil Hoskins taught me this years ago, When fishermen don't fish, you know what they do? They fight. What's God called the church to be? Fishers of men. You know what happens when a church isn't outward focused? You know what happens when a church isn't evangelizing and spreading and sharing the gospel? You know what churches do? They fight and gossip. Amen? God willing, our church is so busy, we don't got time to fight. There's two, here, pick this up, go serve. Too much to do. So James and John, who were with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, who saw the glory of God, Jesus said, don't tell anyone about it. Now all of a sudden, they're mouthing off, talking about becoming great in the kingdom, and the other disciples find out about their request, and now all of a sudden you got a church fight on your hands, and everyone's mad. And Jesus is going to have to clean up. Look at verse 37. Jesus asked the professional Christians, what do you want me to do for you? And I want you to look at what they asked for. They asked for selfish gain. But when he asked the sinner, when he asked the least, when he asked the poor blind man, what do you want me to do for you? What did he say? Rabbi, that I might get my sight." What's he saying? The blind man saw his need. The blind man saw his desperation. You know what I think that says to us? The quote-unquote, "professional Christians? Are the things you're asking God for today? Are they selfish? The things you're asking God to do is it for self-gain? Are you the disciple that's saying, God, make me great, make me comfortable? Or are you the poor blind beggar saying, Jesus, just touch my life? Oh, do you see the difference? Verse 52. What a remarkable verse. So what happens? Jesus says, go your way. Your faith has made you well. You know what? I If I had eyesight today and I could write in the margin of my Bible, you know what I would write beside verse 52? I would write, activated faith. This man activated his faith. And what did Jesus say? Your faith has made you well. But there's a principle here that I want to, I want you to get before I close today. I don't want you to miss this. Again, a lot of things to circle today, I know, but this is big. What did Jesus tell him? Jesus said, go your way. You know, I think about that. I thought a lot about it when I wrote the book, but I think about it even now, being blind. What are the things I would want to do now that I can't do with eyesight? What are the things around the house? What's the things with my kids? What what are the things that work? What what are the things that I wish I could do that I cannot do with thy sight? And what did it mean when Jesus said, go your way? It meant, go back home and go do whatever you couldn't do before. But I want you to watch this. The Bible says immediately, everybody say immediately immediately. What's that? That's our Greek word, ethos, E-U-T-H-O-S, ethos. What does ethos mean? Immediately. And it's 45 times in the book of Mark alone. And immediately he regained his sight. But he didn't go his way. I want you to look at what Mark writes. It says he followed him along the way. See, I think that means something very significant. I think that if that meant he simply followed him out of Jericho, I think Mark would have wrote, he followed him out of Jericho. I think if it meant that he went as far as Jerusalem, I think Mark would have said he followed him to Jerusalem. I think if it meant he followed him to the cross, Mark would have said, and he followed him to the crucifixion. But no, he says he followed him along the way, not the road, the way. You remember what Jesus said he is? He is the way, the truth, and the life. You remember what they started calling Christians at Antioch in the book of uh, of Acts? People of the way. You know what I believe Mark is telling us? I believe Mark gives us his specific name. I believe we know his name was Bartimaeus. You know why? Because Now, this isn't Bible. This is just my hunch. But I believe that he was there in the upper room on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell. And I believe Bartimaeus went on to become a giant. I believe he went on to become a legend. I believe he went on to become a leader in the early church. And I believe that's exactly what. what. What Mark meant when he said he followed him, not on the road, but on the way. Here's my question today. Many of you, God has touched. He's opened the blind eyes of your heart. You've thrown off your cloak. You've sprang up and you've come to Jesus and you love the Lord and you follow Jesus. But here's my question. Are you following Jesus on your way? Are you following your dreams? Are you following your ambitions? Are you following your way of life? Are you following your comforts? Are you following your luxuries? Are you following your path? Or are you following him on the way? Even though it's a narrow way. Even though it can be a difficult way. Which way are you on today? Let's stand. With our heads bowed. And our eyes closed. What do you need the Lord to do in your life today? Some of you need to respond to the Lord. Some of you need to say, God, I'm tired of going my way. I'm going to begin to go your way. Some of you come to church. All the time. But life is about you. Some of your marriage is struggling because it's all about you. Some of you, you're not a godly home because the cares of this life and the desire for riches is choking out the word of God. Friends, you need to go God's way today. You've tried it your way for long enough. Some of you, your business isn't working. You're just frustrated. Some of you can't make ends meet. Some of you don't tithe. You don't fast. You don't seek God. And then you wonder why it's like God isn't blessing you. Friends, you're on your way. You need to turn today. You need to get on God's way. You need to begin doing things God's way. Some of you, God's changing your life right now. And your head is just spinning. you're changing you're coming to Jesus but here's your next step you need to begin to follow him begin to follow him if you need to pray today, slip out of your seat right now slip out of your seat, bring your burdens to the Lord, bring your concerns to the Lord, bring your prodigals to the Lord bring your way to the Lord today and lay your way down. We have people who will pray with you. Men will pray with men, women with women. Slip out of your seat if you need to come pray right now. Lord, thank you. Thank you, God, for blind Bartimaeus. Oh, I can't wait to shake his hand one day in heaven. (laughs) I imagine that the line is going to be mighty, mighty long to meet Bartimaeus. What extraordinary grace you had on him. That while you were on the road to Calvary, you stopped and you touched him. God, for any person listening, that they feel like you're too busy for their lives, prove to them through the story of blind Bartimaeus that you're not too busy. Prove to them. That they have your attention. Oh God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, God, that we have your attention. If you enjoyed today's broadcast and would like to hear more great content, you can always download our free mobile app, Awaken to Grace, where you can request prayer, find sermons, articles, blogs, music, podcast, as well as support us financially. You can also visit either of our websites at www.preachingchristchurch.com or www.awakentograce.com for more information about our church or our resource ministry. Thank you for listening to Awaken to Grace.